We're going to 1 Corinthians again, chapter 1, verse 30. And just reading that. But of him are ye in Christ, who of God is made unto us. And we're looking at Christ is made unto us the last couple of weeks and tonight. He's made unto us wisdom. We looked at that two weeks ago. And righteousness, we looked at that last week. Christ is made unto us wisdom. Oh, it's wonderful to be a Christian and to be wised up. <laughs> to be wised up in this wicked world. And to know why we're here and what's going on. And, and I really feel for unsafe people, for, for neighbours and people that don't know and for family that don't know and don't want to listen. They are not wise and uh, don't know what's going on and going down. But uh, we do know from the scriptures and righteousness. What a wonderful position that we have as Christians to be righteous before a holy God and to be declared righteous in Christ. We are made righteous by his righteousness being input into us not and, and our sin being imputed to Christ. What a wonderful thing and not by our works righteousness. We looked at all that last week. And he's made unto us sanctification, and he's made unto us redemption. Wonderful thoughts. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we have these things in your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And Lord, may we rejoice and be thankful and glad that these things have been made known unto us who, have, who are in earthen vessels, mere mortals made from the dust but have in us a soul and spirit that can relate and fellowship with an almighty and omnipotent and an all-knowing God. Thank you for this, Lord, and that we would wise up in Christ and that we would study the scriptures, whether these things be so. We would understand the reason and purposes of life and the things that happen to us here and the things that are going to go on for eternity to the saved and the unsaved. And Lord, all these things relate to what goes on down here as well. Lord, they tie together. And the things that we do now will reap rewards, good or bad, in eternity. And I pray, Lord, that we'd wise up and do that which is pleasing. We'd live sanctified lives down here, that we might be one's vessels that can be used by a holy God. Bless us now as we think on these things and look at them through your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, made unto us, the Lord, <coughs> the Lord Jesus is made unto us sanctification. Wisdom, as we looked at it and we've mentioned that, to transform our minds. He's made unto us righteousness to transform our morals. He's made unto us sanctification to transform our motives, the reason we do things. The word for sanctification is hagismos, 
probably pronounced it wrong. I'm not a Greek. Literally means holiness. It means to be set apart for God. Holiness. It stands for the kind of life that belongs to those who are thus separated. Righteousness that we looked at last week has to do with our standing before a holy God. Sanctification has to do with our state, where we are at presently. Righteousness meets the demands of the law, the demands of the law before a holy God. Sanctification meets the demands of the Lord. Righteousness is imputed to us by Christ, as we looked at in Romans 4 last week. We looked at Abraham and David from Romans 4, imputed to us when we put our faith in the Lord. Sanctification is implemented in us by the indwelling Holy Spirit. Righteousness has to do with what we are by our natural birth. We are sinners and we need his righteousness imputed to us to make us saints. Sanctification has to do with what we have become through our new birth. We have become saints. <laughs> I don't hear you calling each other saint so-and-so afterward. <laughs> we hear certain denominations call or, or, or do they canonize or what do they do to make a person a saint? And Catholics, I don't know what they do. To make they, but hey, listen, it's all false because when you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and have placed your faith in him and he, you have his imputed righteousness, you are a saint. Even if your mum and dad don't believe it. <laughs> Even if your fellow Christian don't believe it, you are a saint. Because the Lord God sees you through his son, the, the, the Lord Jesus Christ, and you are forgiven of all your sins. Now you're on your way to heaven, but there is some sanctification to happen. And that's a process, isn't it, as we'll look at tonight. And I pray that it continues to happen and we continue to grow. We don't stagnate in our Christian life. Um, <clears throat> I am motivated to live a sinful life in the flesh when the flesh takes over. But as a saint, I am motivated to live a sanctified life in Christ Jesus. And you know the three things, and I'm just saying what Peter said, I tell you again <laughs> what you've already heard and may it be something that sticks in our mind as Christians. We are positionally sanctified when we trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and see a few of the verses that speak about these things. 2 Thessalonians 2.13 And you can go to many passages in probably each of the epistles of the New Testament where they're talked about being positionally. They're taken from one state, being a sinner, and positionally sanctified to become to become a saint. Chapter 2, 13, 2 Thessalonians. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. Now, who started the church at Thessalonica? Who was it that went there? Paul did. He's only there a few weeks, remember. And he gave thanks to them, to God for them, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through 
sanctification of the spirit and belief of the truth. So they were sanctified, they were set apart by the Holy Spirit that day they were saved and they were chosen and everything that happens and said happened in that verse there. So they were positionally set apart by the Spirit of God as they were saved. You know, the, the Spirit comes as, he, as the Lord said he would in the Gospel of John to convict the world of righteousness, of sin. Oh, I got it wrong. <laughs> but in there, to convict the world of sin, sin righteousness. righteousness and judgment to come. Thank you, Bernie. Of sin, righteousness and judgment to come. And these were convicted of those things and got saved and they were sanctified. They were saved. Remember the day you got saved? You didn't know those things were happening, but that's what was happening. The transformation was happening. In 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 2, let's read about these people in Corinth. And this is a pretty bad city, like King's Cross um, of, of Australia. Unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So Paul said, you at Corinth and everywhere that they call upon the Lord Jesus Christ, these that are sanctified in Christ Jesus. Just like those in Thessalonica, those in Corinth were sanctified in Hebrews chapter 10. And verse 10, we read here, By which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all, through the Lord Jesus Christ and the offering that he gave of his body. And uh, through his blood, we are sanctified. And that's the only way of salvation. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and, sorry, chapter 6 and verse 9, we read there, I wrote unto you in an epistle not to keep company with fornicators, yet not altogether with fornicators of this world, or with covetous, or extortioners, or with idolatrous, for then must you needs go out of the world. You've, you've, got, a, you've, got, a, you've got a mix with the world, so you've got to be in the world, but not of it. <laughs> but now have I written unto you not to keep company if any man that is called a brother be a fornicator. That's when you separate, or covetous, or idolater, or a railer, or a drunkard, or an extortioner, which such one know not to eat. Now the exclusive brethren just don't eat with anybody. <laughs> but this is talking about a person that is a brother and does these things. He calls himself a Christian and does these things. No, not to eat. For what have I to do with to judge them that are without? Do not ye judge them that are within. But them that are without, God judges. Therefore put away from yourselves that wicked person. <clears throat> so we have been set apart from the unsaved world, from those that are without, and we become one that is within. Once we were outside, now we are inside. We're in the body of Christ. Positional sanctification. Now, the next stage of sanctification that the Spirit does in us is called what? And we, we've, you've probably learned it off by heart by now. There's the positional, and then there's 
progressive through life. And it's like a baby being born, it grows and grows and, and grows until you get old and you still grow <laughs> in different ways. You grow bigger and heavier <laughs> and so forth if you don't watch it. And that, that's the hard thing. You know, you used to be able to... Some of these young fellas, how many wheat picks do you eat in the morning? Oh, yeah, Toby, let's pick on you. I know you go running up that hill. He runs up the hill three times and I just walked up and down once. Toby, how many wheat picks do you eat in the morning? Four. Oh, come on, I heard... Come on, more than four. Who has more than four wheat picks? Five? Eight. Eight. That's better. Now, if you're an... Who's older here and eats wheat picks? How many wheat picks? Four. How many wheat picks? Sometimes five. I had two. If I have more than two, you know what happens? You get bigger. Anyway, we're talking about sanctification, <laughs> growing, <laughs> bigger, <laughs> bigger and better. But as Christians, we need to put on spiritual weight, I mean, in a good sense. We need to grow in the Lord. We need to be eating the good, good food of the Word of God. Uh, sanitarium make Whitbix, they're Seventh-day Adventists. <laughs> but let's eat the good spiritual food of the word of God to progressively be sanctified 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 18 and this is mentioned throughout the scripture this is a theme of the epistles this is what Paul was pressing on the Christians constantly grow, grow, grow <laughs> but we all with open face behold as in a glass the glory of the Lord there's the ultimate goal, the Lord, are changed into that image from glory to glory. There's the growth, from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord, and that's the Holy Spirit mentioned there, as he prompts us to grow in the Lord, from glory to glory. And as I mentioned to start with, the Lord's coming is close, <laughs> And we're going to face him soon. We need to be trim, trimming our lamps and having them filled with oil, the Spirit of God. John's Gospel, chapter 17 and verse 17. It says this, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. There it is. Eating the good word of God. Sanctified through the truth of the word. And as you go to the book, Ask the Lord to teach you something that might make you grow today, that might make you move forward in your Christian life, not stagnate in your Christian life. How better it is to come upon a spring of water when you're thirsty that's refreshing and fresh and clean rather than a stagnant pool of water. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 mentions this. <clears throat> the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. And he said, I pray your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And so in body, soul and spirit being sanctified, <laughs> the God of peace sanctify you wholly. That's what God wants. And we can see the example from the Old Testament over and over again 
when God's people were not living holy lives, God did not use them as he could. But when they were committed and dedicated, and you can see it in the life of a king, when a, a king came to the throne and he threw out the idols, he went round the land and he cleansed the land, and he did that was right. God blessed the nation. It just is so simple to see. But when they didn't, and they put up the idols, and they worshipped false god, God's God cursed the place. And the enemies came in upon them. And it's so true in the Christian's life as well. It just happens that way. The, the curses come, the problems come, the, the burdens press on us. And we say, why is all this happening? Because, as it were, we're cursed with a curse. We're not doing what God wants and these things press upon us. You're answering your own question when you ask that. <laughs> Why are all these things coming upon us? And sometimes it can be because we're living righteous lives. And we can thank the Lord that they're pressing upon us. Verse 19 of Romans 6 reads, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, and it's talking about the body, members, servants to uncleanliness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield ye your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. So before my feet took me to places I shouldn't go as a Christian now. But now my feet take me to church. Now my feet might take me to some place to witness to somebody. Now my feet might take me to the prayer room. And to pray with, you know, to the prayer closet or to pray with others about things of the Lord. So progressive sanctification is something the Lord desires. He wants us to grow. And as you grow, even as a, you know, a young person, and they become a Christian, they grow physically, they grow spiritually. And it's great to see when a person becomes a Christian who is an adult already, you see them grow like a weed, we say. <laughs> and when you see that, you rejoice because they just get, get a hold of things spiritually and they understand it and they get it and they change. But when a person says they become a Christian, young or old, and there's no change, it's really concerning. You know, they desire to get baptised and they get baptised, but it's because of tradition or it's because of family pressure or all or, or my friends are doing it or something. And as a, as a pastor or as people or as a parent, you, you really start getting concerned that it's not for real. You know, and, and at the rapture, at the rapture there's going to be some very sad people. Oh, well, I was baptized. Why didn't I go? And it doesn't, you know, we can only hear a testimony. Pastors and deacons and, that, and the leaders of the, can only hear a testimony. We can only make decisions on what you say. I really want to see the evidence in your life. Not a desire to go the way of the world, but a, a desire to go the way of the Lord and be separate and sanctified and serving him. And, and as parents, that's what we want for our children. As pastors, that's what I want for the people. Uh, uh, an evidence, an easy-see evidence of progressive sanctification. Positional, progressive, Christ is made unto us, sanctification, positionally, progressive, and the great one is the third one, 1 John 
Let's go to the first John chapter three. First John chapter three and verse two, and this is mentioned many times as an encouragement, as a you know, as a warning even. Chapter three, verse two, first John. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, the Lord Jesus shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And what do we call this? What part of sanctification do we call this? Permanent, complete, whatever. This is permanent, eternal sanctification. This is never to change. This will be for all eternity. You say, how boring. No, (laughs) we don't have no concept if we say it's going to be boring in heaven. No, we don't. (laughs) It's going to be wonderful. It does not yet appear what we shall be. When we see him, we shall be like him. And we like him for all eternity in perfection, body, soul and spirit. Our body shall be changed. It will be like his permanently. In Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 27, it's talking about the bride of Christ. It's talking about the church. And it says of the bride there that he might present it, the Lord Jesus might present it, the church to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that it should be holy and without blemish. And the Lord is doing that. He's progressively putting it together, but one day he's going to present it to himself just so. Perfect, complete, perfectly sanctified. There won't be spot. And remember the parable that now, I'd have to look at it for its exact interpretation, but an application of that, the, the wedding feast was there, and there was a fellow without a, a wedding garment on. And, they, and, and what it was said? Grab him, hand and foot. It's like grab him by the scruff of the neck and the feet and turf him out. He's not welcome here. He's not one of the bride. He's not got the right garment on. You have to have the garment of salvation in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it might, that's an application, okay? The interpretation might be more of the tribulation entering the millennium. But permanent sanctification. Jude, we were in Jude this morning, verse 24. Almost the last verse. Now to him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's what he's going to do when permanent sanctification happens. He's going to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's a grand day coming. So Christ is made unto us sanctification, positional, progressive and permanent. And he's interested just as much in every one of us, wherever we are, in that process of sanctification. Always pressing toward from glory to glory to get to glory. And redemption, and this is really tied with this last permanent sanctification. And I didn't use a couple of the verses we could have in permanent sanctification because we bring them up in this one. Because there's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13 to 18, and 1 
Corinthians 15, 51 to 58. Let's go to Philippians, Philippians chapter 3 and verse 21. I might just read this one for you where it says, Who shall change our vile body that it might be fashioned like his glorious body according to the working by which he is able to subdue all things unto himself. Christ is made unto us, and this is the fourth point of 1 Corinthians 1.30, redemption. He's made unto us redemption to transform our members. <clears throat> One day, we, we could say, and, and, and we can pick on the old people here, one day, Adolf will be able to see right. Can you see me? No. No, okay. <laughs> One day you'll be able to see me and you'll say, ah! <laughs> or, <laughs> yeah. But when you do see me, <laughs> probably next time, I'll be younger. So you'll say, wow! <laughs> and um, <clears throat> Brother McConnell, <laughs> one day when this happens, you'll be able to play that, play that game of golf without your knee hurting anymore. <laughs> Isn't that right? <laughs> I didn't hear that. <laughs> It'll be fixed. <laughs> without being sick. Without being sick. Oh, right, right. <laughs> yeah, right. I won't need me here and I <laughs> Everyone tells me I should get one, <laughs> right? <laughs> but <laughs> won't it be good? <laughs> they won't have to speak up in my house. <clears throat> anyway, I won't say what I just thought. <laughs> we will be fixed and we'll be able to get around like we were when we were younger. <laughs> Redemption of the body, a great day. And maybe we do grow old so that we do appreciate what heaven will be like and uh, we do look forward to and groan and, and wish that day to come sooner than later. He shall change out. And this word here, vile body, <laughs> that's sort of, well, that's pretty blunt, isn't it? That it may be fashioned like his glorious body according to the working he is able to do these things to us there'll be no longer those evil desires that come in this natural body this old man that we all have in our hearts this old man will be gone and the new body won't have those desires let's turn to romans chapter 8 and we, we can condemn each other because we can see some things that we may ourselves tend to lean toward in the vile body we have but remember, if your life and thought life was put on display, you also have a vile body. And it just uh, needs the opportunity uh, to, to present itself, and we might also be tempted. Remember what it says in Galatians. We might also be tempted if we were given the opportunity to fall into sin. But God's looking on, and he knows, and he doesn't display our sin. He forgives us. And praise him for that. Romans chapter 8 and verse, 30, uh, verse 23 is talking about creation and how it's groaning and, and it's, it's waiting for the redemption that the Lord will bring it as well as us, the redemption we will get. 
in verse 23, and not only they, the creation, but ourselves also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit. We have, we have that uh, down payment of the Spirit of God, even we ourselves, grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, that is, the redemption of our body. I know that this headache, if it doesn't go away, will be gone then. It will be gone. And the limitations and the, and the loss of memory and the inability to remember, you know, when Troy asked a question this morning about different things, and one of the answers I have was Origin and Augustine. I couldn't remember Origin, but I couldn't remember Augustine. Well, can I remember that? I know that bloke's name, and I just wouldn't come. You used to be able to just like that and in your memory. Well, this old body won't be like that anymore. The redemption of the body, the memories. But praise God, in heaven, when we get there, the memories of the wicked things will be gone. Don't you think? I think. Gone, erased. The things that were evil, the things that were wrong will be erased. Only God can do that and praise him for that. And waiting for the adoption. Are you waiting for the adoption? That is the redemption of your bodies. You know, that is the the adoption completed. It says there, waiting for the adoption, that is the redemption of the bodies. Waiting for that to be completed. What a day it'll be. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians Let's see how it happens. Verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment. That changing, that redemption, that adoption of the body. In a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trump shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. And... Then shall be brought to pass the saying in verse 54 that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? A wonderful day it'll be when that happens. Thanks be to God who giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Redemption, the transformation of our members. And the wonderful portion that I'm very thankful is in the in the word as a pastor for at funerals I oft use this portion Second Corinthians chapter 5 we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved we have a building of God a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens for in this we groan earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house which is from heaven If so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we that are in this tabernacle do. Notice this word. It's found in Romans 8 that we looked at. And it's found here. We groan. This is not the final. This is not the final one. (laughs) We groan waiting for the final one. The redemption of our body. The members of our body being transformed with a re with a redeemed body, being burdened, not that we be unclothed, but, <clears throat> excuse me, clothed upon, that mortality might be swallowed up of life. Now he that wrought us for the self-same thing is God, 
who also hath given us the earnest, the down payment of the Spirit of God in, in salvation. That, 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 that's, that's the seal by which we know that one day the mortal body will be in his, transformed and become immortal and be in his presence. The Spirit of God that we have now. Therefore, we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord. We walk by faith and not by sight. We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from this body and to be present with the Lord. Wherefore, wherefore, brethren, we labour that whether here or there, present or absent, we may be what? Accepted of him. So what we do now reflects of what we're going to be in the future. We walk as though we were there already, sanctified, saintly lives, so that we won't be ashamed before him when he comes. Or if we should die, we would not be ashamed to go into his presence. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Shouldn't that behove us to just live right every day, to think right every day? Because one day we're going to go, and we're going to meet him, and we're going to have to give an answer. And if we're behaving wrong, if we're thinking wrong, if we're doing wrong, we're going to have to give an answer. We're his children. We're saved and secure, but we're going to miss out on the well done. We're going to miss out on the rewards. We're going to miss out on the opportunity to give back the crowns that he could have given us and we could give back to him. Each of these words we've looked at here, these theological words, carries a special meaning. Righteousness has to do with our standing, as we said to start with. Before God, we are justified. God declares us righteous in Christ. Sanctified means set apart, to belong to God. That talks about our state. Redemption emphasizes the fact that we are set free. It speaks of our surety in Christ. He's paid the price on the cross. So in one sense, we have three tenses of salvation here. We've been saved from the penalty of sin. We're being saved from the power of sin in sanctification we shall be saved from the presence of sin, redemption complete. And every believer has all of these blessings in Christ Jesus. <clears throat> One commentator said this in conclusion to this chapter. As you review this chapter, you can see the mistakes that the Corinthians were making. Now, the Corinthians were not a wholly sanctified people. That's why Paul had to write Corinthians, first and second Corinthians. The Corinthians were making mistakes that helped to create problems in their church. They were not living up to their holy calling, were instead following the standards of the world. They ignored the fact that they were called into a wonderful spiritual fellowship with the Lord and with each other. Instead, they were identifying with human leaders. They were creating divisions in the church. Instead of glorifying God and his grace, they were pleasing themselves and boasting about men. They were defiled church, they were divided church, and they were a disgraced church. What are we? What are we? 
and as we go into the Corinthians and see the problems they had, I pray that we don't find ourselves identifying with them in what they were doing wrong, in defiling themselves and dividing themselves and disgracing themselves before a world. And the world was looking on the Corinthians and saying, we don't even do what they're doing. What are they doing as Christians? And that shouldn't be so amongst us. I pray that it isn't, that we are living sanctified lives as redeemed sons of God. To be a testimony to unsaved people and to bring glory to the Lord. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. It is plainly stated we are to be sanctified. And, Lord, we look forward to the redemption of our bodies. And, Lord, the older people probably say amen. The younger people might want to live a little longer. But, Lord, we all will be redeemed on the day you come. And, Lord, we go through life and beginning, begin to groan longer and harder and look forward to the day when things change and the adoption is complete with the redemption of the body. Lord, you are going to do this for us because of our faith in what you've already done for us. I pray we'd give you the praise and the glory. And Lord, that we would do as we started with that song and the um, testimony of it and what happened amongst people when they turned to you and just trusted in you and believed on you and realized how wicked they were before you. And there was a transformation that happened. Lord, uh, we tend to try to justify ourselves like the Corinthians in what we're doing. But Lord, we just need to humbly bow before you and say, Lord, forgive us, we are a sinful people. Cleanse us, O God, and let us walk aright with you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.